We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends. It is Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. If you would like to be part of today's program, all you have to do, pick up your telephone at some point, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. On today's Most Nearly Rush Hour, we will hear from another of the presidential contenders, Asa Hutchison, former governor of Arkansas, also former congressman. He was a member of the uh, Clinton Impeachment Committee. And my recollection is after that experience, he changed a bit. But we will hear from Asa. And just so you know, I ask the same questions to all of the candidates. I don't, I'm not interested in how they view other candidates and the dogfight. I want to know what they're going to do. So my questions are going to be focused on them. What are you going to do if January 22nd, January 20th, you are inaugurated? What happens to America with you in charge? And that's the same kind of approach I'm taking with every single one of the presidential candidates. The rest of the political theater stuff, I don't want to engage in with them. There were a few stories over the weekend that were, to me, a bit distressing. I don't know whether you've seen them, talked about them. Some of them involve police. In Lansing, Michigan, a 12-year-old kid taking out his trash. And, you know, 12-year-olds don't usually have a choice when it comes to that. That's usually your parents. Hey, kid. Hey, you. In this case, his name is Tashawn. Tashawn, take out the garbage. Kid is taking out his garbage, surrounded by cops, in handcuffs. His dad noticed he hasn't come back in house, goes out, finds his kids handcuffed by cops. And um, kid was traumatized. Oh, yeah, he's a black kid, and then there was, oh, we're looking for some black kid that's wearing this, that, and, and he's wearing something that like this or that. Anyway, I had the wrong kid. 
And, of course, the Lansing police officers, to their credit, the Lansing Police Department, they're not trying to sugarcoat it so much as they say, look, this was one of those cases, wrong place, wrong time. We're sorry. We're sorry. We realized that we had the wrong kid. But then some media outlets on the right, knee-jerk, which I won't get into. It's like, oh, here they go again complaining because one of their kids gets arrested. Like, really? If it was your kid, you'd be complaining. It's not just black people that complain when their kids get arrested wrongly. So I just want to take a minute for that. Another distressing, by the way, there's a big story. I didn't print it out. I I don't think because I'm not going to get into it today. I will get into it. I talked about it the other day. This one in, in Mississippi, in one of these little towns in Mississippi, five cops have now pled guilty for terrorizing a black guy. This black guy, the police were called because there's a black guy in a house with a white woman. This sounds, yeah, I know, out of the 1800s. They didn't lynch him, but they pretty much beat the hell out of him. And with sexual toys, some of it, a little freaky with these cops. They tortured him with a stun gun. They did all kinds of things. They were they're charged with beating two black guys, but the one in the house was, as it turned out, friends for a long time with the woman. She's sick. He's a caretaker. All of these police officers have now pleaded guilty. And it's some of the most bizarre Horrible stuff. Yes, this still goes on in America. It's sad, but it's true. Also sad is what happens in Marion. I think it's just Iowa. No, I'm sorry, it's Kansas. The Marion Police Department in Kansas. Now, this is truly. The cops raided a newsroom, a newspaper. And the Daily Mail is relentless. They're saying the moment the police using Hitler tactics, that's what they're calling them. Hitler tactics, Gestapo tactics. Raid in Marion County record newsroom. Now, the co-owner of the paper is 90 years old. She died. They say from the stress is what they're saying caused by this. Dead. The elderly woman who owned the newspaper with her son, Eric, 69, was subjected to the raid by five officers and two sheriff deputies Friday. They wanted to seize information related to a story that the newspaper had not even published. Eric bashed the guy, he's the son, bashed the officers for their Gestapo tactics. The next day after this raid, the co-owner subsequently died. They said from the whole stress from everything. She was 93. Joan Mayo, the co-owner of the newspaper, the county, Marion County Record, collapsed and died following the intense stress and grief she felt when her home was raided by the entirety of the Marion Police Department in Kansas, headed by Gideon Cody. The newspaper was investigating claims that the cop that was retired had retired from his previous job 
over an alleged sexual misconduct story. So he's got an axe to grind, so he's going to go in and see what they have. Also, there were reports that the newspaper had written some things about a restaurant owner, a restaurant that wasn't, weren't liked. And so in they go, they swoop in, they take all of the records, computers, stuff like that. I shouldn't say all of the records. I don't know how many of the records. The newspaper had been accused of illegally getting personal data. She was happy, unhappy, this this restaurant owner with the newspaper had reportedly kicked out one of the reporters from an event at her restaurant. The restaurant is called Carrie's Restaurant. So you have two things. They're investigating the sheriff. They're, they're doing some kind of story on a restaurant or looking for information, and they are subject to a raid, both their home and their business. And I, keep, I say to my conservative friends, I am a supporter of law enforcement, supporter of the police. Always will be, always have been. But what I am not a supporter of are rogue police and rogue policing. Police, after all, are agents of the government. And the government is to be watched carefully. Because one thing about government power, it can be abused. And if you want to see that on display, all you got to do is look at what's happening with this Hunter Biden case. There's another story today about how he was tipped off from inside DOJ, FBI, tipped off his people when they wanted to interview him. FBI agent, a whistleblower, says the Biden transition team, Secret Service, were tipped off. This was on 20 in, 19, in 2020 when they had planned to interview Hunter Biden. So this idea that we should just be, you know, gung-ho law enforcement no matter what, I'm not that guy. Law enforcement, like every other agency in government, government, should be scrutinized. And if they're rogue, they should be reported. And when they're found to be rogue, there should be consequences. Let us turn our attention for a moment to events in Hawaii. I have been for the past few hours this afternoon having a very heated back and forth with the Countess of Conspiracy over the way that the kooks have now responded to events in Hawaii. And the kooks are out in force. Any news story, any tragedy almost involving anybody you can expect the kooks these days to weigh in. We are now told from Kook Central that what really happened, get ready, my friends, those of you that have common sense, those of you that actually follow the news, 
and follow the details. Get ready to be shocked. Because we're told that the events in Hawaii did not happen because it was a natural disaster. But no, just like everything else that the kooks see in every single story that they touch, there is a conspiratorial group behind it. There are people, and I had to go, I usually try not. On social media, I usually try to stay out of it. I just post news stories as I've done. Some people consider that irresponsible, by the way, that I post news stories. That's another, yeah, I know, it's it's weird. I don't even want to go there. But I had to actually get into it this weekend because I read a post from somebody that's one of these new verified somebodies on Twitter. Verified like that means I guess he's supposed to mean that this blue check means something anymore. And so I get this whole thing about Oprah. Well, you know, Oprah's a wealthy landowner. And Oprah bought this property in Maui this year. Oprah bought that property in this year. Oprah bought this one and that one. Oprah bought this out here in Maui this Oprah is one of the biggest landowners in my, and Oprah wants more land. And so what do these fires do? This, the, the, the fires are supposed to, I just finally wrote back. Are you seriously suggesting? I didn't put in there, you idiot, because I don't want to make it personal. Are you seriously suggesting, you idiot? And I'm not going to call the person name, so I didn't put you idiot. Are you seriously suggesting that Oprah started the fires because she wanted to take the land from the poor people in Lahaina? Are you seriously telling us that this is the reason that because a wealthy person buys multiple parcels in a place, they are behind a natural disaster because they're greedy and they want more? So that's one of the kook theories that are out there, and it's disgusting. Then the others involve these D, W, D, the D, X, the D, Z, the D, the D, AI. What is it? Come on, AI, help me here. It's the a direct di- energy weapon delivers focused energy at the speed of light to damage or destroy targets. Right. If that's what it is, the direct energy weapon. So, ladies and gentlemen, the kooks, and they have pictures. The kooks have a picture of this laser beam coming down from the sky or this direct energy weapon beam coming from the sky and supposedly hitting the city of Lahaina before it went up. Of course, this could have been lifted from any Hollywood special effects movie. It looks like something that I saw back in the day. What was that Will Smith movie, The Slapper? What was that movie that he did, you know, Independence Day? It was the same kind of beam that comes out of Independence. It's Hollywood. But no, here's the picture. If you don't believe us kooks, We got a picture of it. We got a guy that was standing in the water right across in the ocean from Lahaina. 
and he got the picture. He knew it was coming, so he snapped the picture right when the direct energy bolt came from the sky and lit Mahana up like a Christmas tree. And it's his fault. It's their fault. Whoever's behind these direct energy weapons, they're the ones that did it. And then you have these kooks with videos, and they sound, they make themselves sound so smart and so official. They run around. Do you see the cars that are burned out here? Notice there is no foliage around the cars. Notice, too, that these cars have no melted glass or no whatever. It's just pure idiocy on steroids. But they put this stuff out on TikTok, the, the Chinese propaganda site. They share it for themselves on Telegram, on Twitter, or X, or whatever it's called, on Instagram, on Stupid Gram, on Kook Gram, on whatever gram they can find to send out this stuff. Because this is what we're all supposed to believe now. There's no such thing as a natural disaster. It's only kook conspiracy stuff that is dominating the world right now. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley on WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back. If you want to be part of the program, stay with us. On this day, August 14th, 1995, the Foo Fighters made... Their network television debut on the Late Show with David Letterman. Remember that when that was on? This is a call, was what they did. And you can make a call right now to us here at WABC. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, the police. Double up on us here. Can't stand losing you was the follow-up. To Roxanne, we've got a lot of police going on right here. It's the DWI that's happening right here. It's a conspiracy. Okay, 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 hello. Hello. Thank you for that. That's the police. Can't stand losing you, can't stand losing you, can't stand losing you. It was a conspiracy. That's what happened, my friends. The people behind the direct energy weapon got mad because I talked about it. 
and made fun of them, so they wanted to show me who was boss. Now, I, I want to make a promise here. If, if and when, it never happened. If the Countess of Conspiracy is right about this stuff, if indeed it is found one day that some direct energy weapon is behind what happened in Lahaina, if it's found that Oprah Winfrey is responsible for the fires. Oh, no, Oprah's out of it, huh? If and when we find that the 5G towers do what they do to people, if and when we find that the whatever else it is that the kooks believe, if this stuff turns out to be true, I'm going to come on this show, I'm going to apologize to the Countess of, of, of Conspiracy, and I'm going to admit before the you were right and I was wrong. And that's a promise. I promise to do that. I don't have to worry about keeping the promise, but I'm going to do it. A direct energy weapon. Oh yeah, probably some one of the, one of the one of the unidentified flying gizmos up in the sky. Who's firing the direct energy weapon? It comes from a video game. It comes from a plane. Who's firing from the plane? The government did it. Yeah, the government did it. The government did it. Of course the government did it. Folks, I don't know about you, but I am. my patience is wearing thin on these kooks out here. Every single thing that happens, they've got some kind of conspiracy within 10 minutes. And within 20 minutes, they've got a picture. Okay. Oh, Asa Hutchison is coming up. There, he's there now. Well, let's do this. Let's go. Through. We don't want to keep him waiting. Presidential candidate Asa Hutchison is here. Mr. Hutchison, just be patient with us. We got to pay some bills. We're coming right to you. We're gonna do. We're gonna pay some bills and we're gonna come to you. WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. James Golden, presidential. Candidate Asa Hutchison joins us. Do not go away. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, the Marrakesh Express, and you know that from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Today is the birthday of David Crosby. And also, before the break, you heard from Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. August 14, 1965, they started their three-week run at number one. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are very pleased to have with us, and thank you, sir, for making the time with us, presidential candidate, former governor of Arkansas, many of you remember him from his days in Congress, Asa Hutchison. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? Mr. Hutchison, are you there with us? I am, I am. I'm here at the Thanks. Iowa State Fair, and so there's a little background noise going on. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you enjoying yourself at the fair? Well, I am. I am. Of course, we're doing some good, serious politicking. 
and uh, getting to know Iowa and uh, having a lot of fun, yes. All right, I'm going to ask you, I am asking all of the presidential candidates the same questions, and they're not about other candidates, they're about you. What made you decide, this is it, I have to run for president this year, I have to be the president of the United States? That's number one. What made you decide to run this year? And the second thing is, let's say you do win it all. What are you going to do for America once you become president? Well, they're all actually linked, but uh, I'm running for president because I disagree with the direction that President Biden and his leadership is uh, taking our country. Uh, I, and so what I want to do is to have a pro-growth energy policy. On day one, we're going to start producing energy again. We don't want blackouts and brownouts on the east and west coast. We know we got to produce energy. We need to be independent. And uh, that'll be a priority of my administration. Uh, secondly, we're going to secure the border. And I know every candidate says that, but one of the reasons I'm running is that I actually have experience. I, in the Bush administration, I was responsible for border security. And I worked with Mexico and going after the cartels. I had to deal as head of the DEA with the drug issues in America. And so... My experience matches the challenges that we face, and that's why I'm running. We need to control federal spending and move toward a balanced budget. I did that as eight years as governor, and uh, I know what we need to do to get that done again. Well, what is that? That's a good question, because the constraints that you have as governor, most governors, and I don't know whether this is the case in Arkansas, forgive me, but most governors are required by law. They are not allowed to just run deficits endlessly like the federal governments do. They have to figure out a, late, a way to live within the means that their budget is calling for. How do you balance something, a budget like this in the United States, that is sometimes trillions of dollars in overspending against more trillions, tens of trillions of dollars of debt that we've already run up that no one un seems to have a plan to figure out how we're going to pay back. Uh, absolutely, and you're right. Uh, we do require a balanced budget in Arkansas, and so whatever the revenues shrink, you got to tighten your belt, and the same thing has to happen at the federal level. Now, it is different. It is more complex, but you start with, uh, under my administration, we're going to reduce non-defense federal employment by 10%. Uh, that is a significant step toward controlling the federal bureaucracy, the administrative state, and that's one. Uh, secondly, uh, we're going to have a uh, tighter rein on congressional spending. Uh, we're going to reduce the growth of spending, uh, and then uh, I'll use my veto pen as needed. And, of course, you've got to look at uh, the Medicaid program, for example. And I want to give the states more flexibility that will also help provide the services but also control costs. So those are a few things that are a start to controlling uh, the spending at the federal level. But ultimately, when you're looking at $32 trillion of debt, uh, you're going to have to grow the private sector, the economy, and that is going to help generate more federal revenue uh, to reduce our debt. It's all about private sector growth, 
and that would be my priority. Now, this is not an attack on you personally, and please don't take it that way. Republicans and conservatives, and I separate the two for a reason, have been hearing for years from their candidates that they are going to get this fiscal house in order. It has to go through Congress. The moment somebody says government shutdown, Republicans put their tail between their legs and they cower and they shake and they shiver and they say, oh, no, oh, no, we're going to get blamed if there's a government shutdown. And every time this plays out, we see the same play over and over again. It happens in December. Either we either we live by these continuing resolutions that go on and on and on, or they come up with some last minute deal to kick the can down the road because they're so frightened of a government shutdown. How do you intend to navigate if you're in the executive office? Congress has to be brought under control. Congress has no will to be brought under control. They want to spend endlessly. And every time you have a president or a Republican or anyone that stands up and says, no, I'm going to use my veto pen. We're going to stop this down. They don't get the support from Republicans, particularly in the Senate, but also members of the House that are so afraid that they're going to ruin their own reelection chances because they'll be blamed for a shutdown. How are you going to navigate that? How are you going to get these guys to follow you? Well, the answer is that uh, that makes all the difference if you have a president in the White House. Uh, And so, you know, when you're looking at a threat of a government shutdown, you actually have leverage whenever you have the president of your own party. And so I would lead, and it starts by submitting a budget on time. Uh, Our Republican Democrat administration has gotten the habit of not even presenting a budget on time. And that sets the tone for Congress to do their job. And so I would do that. And, uh, you know, you, I think the Republican Congress, hopefully we'll have that, will work with me. But if not, you've got to be able to control the spending and you've got to use a veto pen uh, and use that leverage. Let's talk about something else. Most Americans look and what bothers them in their lives are things that don't even come up in the discussion in Washington today. They see what happens across the country. They, they look at an America where if you go to any major city, you've got homeless people pitching tents all over the place. You've got mobs of rabid youth going into department stores, clearing them out. You've got lawlessness in every, almost every major urban area. Yet, of course, Republicans are in many of the red states. We're not in these cities. And even in red states where there are blue cities, nothing seems to get the crime under control these days. You've got Soros pumping in billions of dollars to get these left-wing prosecutors in who are letting criminals out by the score. What do you do as president? You come in and people in your country are worried about their personal safety. They see the lawlessness. That looks like not only the lawlessness, but this almost out of control homelessness, this feeling that they're living in a dystopian world right now. Do you is that just a city problem? What do you do with that if you're president? Well, first of all, it is a great concern that I have. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I've been head of the D.E.A. Uh, I understand the importance of the three words in, in enforce the law. And we cannot have this level of anarchy. 
And so one, it's about leadership. It's about utilizing the tools that we need to stop the violence. It's primarily a responsible of local governments, but the presidential leadership can make a difference. And secondly, uh, we don't want to be spending and sending federal money to jurisdictions that are not going to enforce the law. And so there is some leverage that you have, but you've got to be able to, and we're seeing this, there's a shift. People are understanding in the large cities from San Francisco to New York that you cannot have this level of lawlessness and disregard of the law and have a democracy that works. And so they're rising up, and I'm going to support them as they rise up and say, uh, let's take control of this and stop this level of violence. And not just violence, it's the grab and uh, you know, run in the stores. That's just intolerable in a orderly society as we should have. Okay, two-tier system of justice. Yes, sir. Well, I've just got a little bit more time here, but go ahead and ask me another question. Just the last one, sir. Many of us perceive a two-tier system of justice. Do you, and if you do, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to have a new attorney general, a new head of the DEA, I mean, excuse me, of the FBI. And then uh, I've already announced my reform efforts for federal law enforcement that would uh, reduce the jurisdiction of the FBI. It would support them in their primary missions. It's going to make federal law enforcement more accountable and transparent. And that is the reform that I am proposing with a commission on the future of law enforcement as well to make sure they have a charter to protect civil liberties and also a more clear mission that doesn't overlap with every other federal agency. So that's uh, the reform, and that's what restores confidence in the American people. You're going to hear me raise a lot of these these issues on the Mm -hmm. debate, and you can help me get there by going to asa2024.com. One dollar helps me get on that debate stage. Asa Hutchison, thank you, sir, for spending so much time with us. And thank you for your candid answers. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley on WABC. Uh, I don't know whether you folks heard anything that you wanted to hear there. These are the same questions I'm asking all the candidates. Hmm. WABC. Coming back. Your call's coming up. Don't go away. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 1946, Larry Graham, bass player. Ha, huh, bass player, that doesn't even begin. Bass innovator. With Sly and the Family Stone, and later on, Graham's Central Station. Born of this day, 1946. Larry Graham changed the game. This guy is the father of funk. When it comes to the bass, 
Happy birthday to Larry Graham. And what, an, what a great voice. This one was from the first album that he did with Graham Central Station. Can you handle it? Let's go to the telephones. Gracie. Gracie, Gracie, Gracie. How are you, Gracie? How are are you? Listen, the greatest one would be so proud of you. The interview was terrific. But I liked what he said. But come on, Trump did it all already. So uh, mm-hmm. why should I change horses when I know who succeeded already? And all of the Republicans should work together and, and get Trump reelected. And Trump will give them all a job in the cabinet and keep them all quiet already. Gracie, as always, you nail it. How are you, Gracie? Everything good I with you? I love you. I listen to you, but I, I don't want to call all the time like a pain in the neck. But I even listen to you from California at 1 o'clock. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a mess there. I'm in Burbank in California. Good grief. And Burbank, of course, used to be the home of what? The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson? Well, and one the, of the, Yeah, back in the day. Well, I love you. Let me give somebody else a chance. Keep up the good work, Bo. Thank you, Gracie. Let us go to Robert in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Robert. You're up next. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you. By the way, I agree just now with Gracie. She's totally right. Trump has proven himself as a really, really good president. Not perfect, but very, very good. And, you know, we should get behind Trump. Um, And he's short himself. He's not an establishment, it seems like, for the most part. Now, um, just you uh, about the interview you just did. Uh, you know, it was interesting, the last question you asked about the double-tiered system, it was interesting, he, he didn't mention anything about pardoning the January 6th people, which could also ultimately include Trump if they have this kind of rule thing keeps going. Um, and uh, also interesting, you mentioned about the coup conspiracy theories. Now, I'm not going to necessarily say I agree with, um, you know, some of these outlandish ideas, although it is interesting to note that in all these horrible situations, whether it was the COVID situation and the vaccines and the, you know, the fires in Canada and now the fires in Maui, it always seems like the rich get richer and then the middle class gets more and more minimized. Uh, inflation is taking away from the buying power of people. You have a few select group of corporations that seem to monopolize all the power and the people are getting squeezed out. So and you, don't, you don't have to say conspiracy theory to know, like Robert Kennedy pointed out, that the land, it's not being tended to very well. It's very dry. They're not Why not? To the, the Why well. not? See, there are reasons behind these things. Agriculture was a big part of Lahaina. It is not anymore. The last of the agriculture pulled out, they had pineapple plantations on that land that pulled out. And non-native grasses took over, and they were not managed. There are reasons. This stuff just doesn't materialize out of thin air. When people are managing the land, there's a difference in the fuel that fuels these flowers. Also, keep in mind that these are all wooden structures. And for two years running now, Hawaii has known that this situation was a tinderbox. Because of the topography, 
where it is on the leeward side of the island. Okay, so it's not as if these things happen in a vacuum, but I don't want to fuss with you about it. I thank you for your call. I love what you said. Thank you for the call, Robert. Let's go to Gideon very quickly in Greenwich Village, New York. How are you, Gideon? Hey, James, Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, I, I'm sorry. I just want to say I, I'm with you about I reject wild conspiracy theories, but you think about this. Back in the, what was it called, the Glass Fire up in Santa Rosa area two years ago, or 2020, uh, there were no mm-hmm. conspiracy mm-hmm. theories about that fire. The, the Canadian fires, yeah, there's been, obviously there's been some arson, but otherwise no conspiracy theories. But then I watched this, not just a photograph, but a video of the laser beam from the sky there in Maui. Oh. And, you know, I have to say, it looked, it looked bizarre and suspicious, and I didn't see any... Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. We have some... I saw a picture, by the way, of the plane that's supposed to deliver this thing with this beautiful Photoshopped-looking kind of nozzle on the front of it. Oops, did I say Photoshopped? Yes, I did. That's supposed to be the delivery vehicle for the laser beam. Do you honestly think that the government of the United States sent up a plane with a laser beam and said, you know what, we're going to wipe out Lahaina. And so let's just fly over the island of Lahaina and drop a laser on it and start a fire and kill people. Do you honest, now look, do you, is that what you believe? And if you don't believe that, then who did the laser? And if some other country did the laser, and we know it's the laser because you know it's the laser. And if you know it's the laser, the government has got to know that somebody flew a laser over there and did it. And that's not an act of war. <laughs> Come on, help me, Gideon. Biden says no comment. No comment. <laughs> Biden said no comment. Yeah, it makes it so, suspicious. So, and that's suspicious. Okay. Joe Biden said no comment. Could that also mean from Joe Biden, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth again by saying something that I shouldn't say. My handlers aren't with me right now. I mean, there are all kind of reasons for a no comment. Okay. I'm, I'm, but, uh, but you don't go along with the one that Oprah is responsible. The Oprah didn't do it. Okay. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. Al in Yonkers, New York. Quickly, Al, time is running out. Hi, Bo. You know, I always enjoy the rush hour. You do a great job. I just wanted to say, uh, you know, Asa Hutchinson, he's an honorable man. He served a great job as governor of a Republican, I mean, of Arkansas. But I think as a Republican, conservative, and hopefully independents come into the fold, we really have to unite behind uh, President Trump to be our standard bearer. Thank you. I do appreciate the call. Susan in Finger Lakes. How are you, Susan? Oh, don't ask, but thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you hear did you hear on on Maria Bartiroma on Friday, our um, Senator Ron Johnson? He yes, made I a did. Few comments about the drug ivermectin, how it could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And now they're admitting that. But he also made a brief comment that we are, that our sovereignty is at stake if the document that is being secretly um, uh, pushed by the Biden administration uh, in the World Health Assembly, which if it's signed in May of 2024, he said we will lose our sovereignty. 
I heard Senator Ron Johnson, and you know what? We are reaching out to Ron Johnson because we, as you know, Ron Johnson has been on this show before. And we are reaching out to Senator Johnson so that he can uh, talk about those things with us. And uh, so in the days and weeks ahead, we'll be speaking with Senator Ron Johnson. I'm sure, God willing. So thank you, Susan. I do appreciate the call. Yes, it was an amazing interview, and it did get some coverage over the weekend. But, of course, that coverage was overshadowed by all the other events that took place in the news. New York City, Donald, you're up next on Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you, Donald? Hey, hi, Hawaii, Donald. So, you know, I just heard a previous comment relative to these Hawaiian um, fires. Now, again, you you may be, like, being too kind, you know, whether it's laser, you know, uh, arson or some other means of ignition. The reality is, uh, you know, you kind of have to believe, like, everything and nothing because we're in such a paradigm shift. These days, it was like in the history of this country that you know anything is believable, and 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 I believe this administration See, that- is capable of of anything and everything, and they hold no human life in regard relative to their agenda. Donald, you'll get the last word on that. See, I don't believe that anything can happen. And one of the things that bothers me is this business. There's some of these theories are just. <sighs> anyway, it's time to go. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley here on WABC. God willing, we will be back tomorrow. Love and blessings and thank you for being here with us today. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family and your loved ones. Tomorrow's another day. It's Tuesday. We will continue these discussions. If you did not make it on the air with us today. Tomorrow, please try again. We'll see you then, God willing. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.